through 14, uh, located on page 1896 of your pew Bible. But do not forget this one thing, dear friends. With the Lord, a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years are like a day. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promises, as some understand slowness. He is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief. The heavens will disappear with the roar. The elements will be destroyed by fire, and the earth and everything in it will be laid bare. Since everything will be destroyed in this way, what kind of people ought you to be? You ought to live holy and godly lives as you look forward to the day of God and speed of its coming. That day will bring about the destruction of the heavens by fire, and the elements will melt in the heat. But in keeping with his promise, we are looking forward to a new heaven and a new earth, the home of righteousness. So then, dear friends, since you are looking forward to this, make every effort to be found spotless, blameless, and at peace with him. The word of the Lord. It is Advent, <clears throat> the season of waiting and, and expectation, and uh, today we're going to look um, at a psalm that is about waiting, about waiting for the Lord. So we're going to look together. We're not going to be able to cover the whole thing, but we're going to look at Psalm 40, and uh, we're going to ask a, a couple of questions. We're going to ask, um, what does it mean to wait for the Lord? Uh, how is it possible to wait for the Lord, and how do we do it well? So what does it mean to wait for the Lord? How is it possible, and how do we do it well? So if you would turn in your Bibles to Psalm chapter 40, uh, and before we get into this, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We ask that you would be at work with your word in our hearts. Holy Spirit, help us to see you. Jesus, help us to see you. Father, help us to see you in the ways you are at work in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Psalm chapter 40. I'm going to go ahead and read verses 1 through 5. I waited patiently for the Lord. He inclined to me and heard my cry. He drew me up from the pit of destruction out of the miry bog and set my feet upon a rock, making my steps secure. He put a new song in my mouth, a song of praise to our God. Many will see and fear and put their trust in the Lord. Blessed is the man who makes the Lord his trust, who does not turn to the proud, to those who go astray after a lie. You have multiplied, O Lord my God, your wondrous deeds and your thoughts toward us. None can compare with you. I will proclaim and tell of them yet they are more than can be told. So there are four main parts to this psalm. Verses 1 through 5 that I just read is talking about David's first trouble and the rescue. Uh, and then 6 through 8 talks about his changed heart. 9 through 10 is this proclamation of deliverance. And then 11 through 17, a new trouble comes and this whole thing starts over again. We're going to look at this first trouble and rescue in verses 1 through 5. So you see what he says here. He says, I waited patiently for the Lord. 
He inclined to me and heard my cry. Why does he need to wait for the Lord? Why does he need to cry out? David tells us where he was. He was in a pit of destruction and in a miry bog. That, that pit of destruction, that, that word destruction, what it's getting at is it's getting at this idea of, of, you know, when you're like near a waterfall or a really crazy river, you know, that really loud sound and, and you get close to it and you can't even hear each other talking because the water is so loud. Or do you know if you uh, go out on Black Friday, if you're one of those people and you get out and you get in the middle of it and you hear all the people and it's so loud and they're, they're yelling and, and you're surrounded by it. That's the idea behind this word, destruction, and with the people uh, maybe even identifying it with a large army. And so here's this, here's this idea, as David is saying, I was in this pit, surrounded by all this noise, surrounded by these armies. And then he goes on, saying that he's in this miry bog. He's in this miry bog. So you have the pit where, where he's surrounded, he's not about to be overwhelmed, he is already overwhelmed and then you have this bog. Psalm 69 talks about this, this same kind of thing, talking about being stuck down in the mud and you have no, no foothold. Uh, I went out to the canyon with a, a school one time and it had rained and you know how the, the mud comes up. And so I, I started walking and you know one of the kids gets out in the mud that he didn't think was very deep. And then by the time he gets from here to there, he only has one shoe right? No foothold. It's stuck. It's down in the mud. This is what David is talking about. He's saying, I was overwhelmed. I was stuck. I couldn't get out. But what happens? Verse 1, it says that he, he cried out to the Lord. It says that he waited patiently for the Lord. So what does this mean, waiting patiently? It's not like waiting at, at the DMV. It's not like um, picking your, your grocery line and always picking the wrong one. <clears throat> this kind of waiting is an active waiting. It is, it is looking to God with expectation. Looking to God with expectation. That's what we just sang about in one of our songs. Come and behold Him, the one and the only. Cry out, sing holy, worship the holy God, right? Looking to God. Looking to God with expectation. This phrase here, I waited patiently for the Lord, is, is an interesting phrase. It, uh, Tim Keller talking about this, he says that it literally says, I waited, waited. Oh, that's very small, but I think I can read that. Uh, sorry about that, that's my fault. Uh, it says, I waited, waited. In Hebrew, the doubling of a term conveys intensification and magnitude. This doesn't mean passivity, but great concentration, right? So it's not like waiting in line at the DMV. Servants waiting on a great Lord are not twiddling their thumbs, but they are watching every expression and gesture to discern their master's will. Waiting on God is to be busy in service to God and to others, all in full acceptance of his wisdom and timing. So waiting on God, it's looking expectantly at Him. It's watching Him. It's trying to discern, what are you doing here? What are you doing here? Looking expectantly to God. Now, we can do this uh, with anything. We can look expectantly. We can look towards. We can look for. We can do this with anything. 
Did anybody go to the light parade? Excuse me, the reverse light parade? Um, No no judgment here, but here are some of my favorite comments uh, from Facebook. I hope everyone calls the city, ties up their phones all day and all next week. We were on one block on 14th for one and a half hours. Rolling eyes, rolling eyes, rolling eyes. Angry face, angry face, angry face. Or this one. This is ridiculous. Cars everywhere, running stop signs, speeding past us as we just sit here. Stupid, stupid idea. How about this one? I think we will stick to going to Pampa. Brandy is going to be in it with Mama. Or this one. Poor plan. City of Amarillo, please contract out with Chick-fil-A for better efficiency. It is possible to look forward to something, to look at something with expectation and be disappointed. It is possible, I would even say maybe it's common. We look to something with expectation and we're disappointed. A kid doesn't get the gift they waited for. Um, you, You work, you look forward to a promotion, you don't get it. You're overwhelmed with life and your vacation gets canceled. Or you go and it doesn't do what you hoped it would do. But if you wait for the Lord, if you wait for the Lord, only He will never disappoint you. If you wait for the Lord, only He will never disappoint you. And and here's what I mean, because I know some of us are thinking, yeah, but He disappoints me all the time. Here's what I mean. What I mean is God never disappoints us because only He can give what we truly need. He never disappoints us because only He can give what we truly need. There was a couple in India. They were were pastors there. Um, The wife's name was Holda. The husband's name was Abraham. They had been in this village in India, ministering there for two decades. And in 2018, uh, Abraham was murdered quite, quite horribly. After all of this happened and he was murdered, Uh, for his faith, after this happened, Hulda said, there was fear in my heart that any moment anyone can come in in the nighttime with a gun and shoot me. Now, what would you ask for? What would you look for with expectation in that situation? I know what I would be doing. I'd be saying, I I am looking with expectation on the next flight out of here, (laughs) right? But what does she do? As she prays, as she waits, as she looks to the Lord, what happens is she says, I started praying, Lord, give me boldness, because your word has said that you have not given the spirit of fear. And God gave her what she needed. He gave her boldness not to get out. He gave her boldness to continue the work that she and her husband had started, that really the Lord had started even before they were there. She stayed in that village with the ones who murdered her husband, and she saw the Lord begin to grow His church there, even through that testimony, so that she finally said, I will not go anywhere else. The life is not easy, but I will still continue the work in this area because God has brought me here. I am telling you, only God can give you that kind of boldness in the face of fear. 
Only God can give you a heart that will preach the gospel to the ones who murdered your husband. Only God can give you what you truly need. And David here is saying that as he waited for the Lord, God gave him what he needed. He drew him out of the pit. He pulled him out of the bog. And then he set him on the rock, made his steps secure. So what is waiting for the Lord? It's looking to God with expectation that he will give us what we need. In fact, that he alone can give us what we need. But the next question is, how is that possible? Because this this seems impossible. How is that possible? David goes on in verses 6 through 8. And he says, In sacrifice and offering you have not delighted, but you have given me an open ear. Burnt offering and sin offering you have not required. Then I said, Behold, I have come in the scroll of the book it is written of me. I delight to do your will, O my God. Your law is within my heart. You see the lie. And this is the same lie that that he talks about in verse 4. The lie is if I sacrifice enough, if I give, give up enough, if I do enough, then I can earn God's favor. And by that, we usually mean I can have a problem-free life. The problem is circumstances change constantly. Things can be good, and then they're bad, and, and then, the, then they're great, and then they're back down to the worst, and it can happen as fast as the stock market rises and falls. But a heart that realizes I can't earn God's favor, is freed from circumstances. Think about David's life. If you know much about David's life, here he is saying, you you pulled me out, you got me out of these things, you set my feet upon a rock, you made my steps secure. That doesn't mean that his problems were gone. When David was a kid, he was unwanted. His brothers didn't want him, his dad didn't really seem to want him. Nobody seemed to want him. As a young adult, his boss tried to murder him a few times. Now, I know some of you guys have had bad jobs. (laughs) David had it a little worse. As a king, his family was a wreck. Just go read about it. His family was a wreck. But God comes in, and he changes David's heart. You see that? He changes David's heart. And it's pure grace that does it. Right there, it says, but you have given me an open ear. Some of your Bibles will have a little note there. And if you look down at the bottom, it's going to say, in Hebrew, it means, ears you have dug for me. It's like God goes in, and David can't hear anything, and he's totally unable. And God scoops out ears for him so that he can hear. It's pure grace. David had no way out. He had no way to help himself. And he says, but he inclined to me and heard my cry. He drew me out. He pulled me up. He gave me ears to hear. And so I will proclaim that among the people. Why did God do that? Why did God do that? David didn't earn it. God did it because he's good. It's pure grace. David didn't earn it, he couldn't earn it, and that frees him up to begin to delight in God's will, to say, God, whatever you ask, I will do. Whatever you bring me, I will endure. Whatever you want, 
This is absolutely necessary to have a heart changed by grace if we want to look to God with expectation that He will give us what we need. Because the truth is that we will never delight in God's will if we believe we have to earn His favor. We will never, never delight in doing His will. You might tolerate it, right? Don't drink, don't chew, don't go with girls that do, right? You might tolerate that for a while. Um, You might even enjoy it. There are blessings that come from following God's law, even if your heart's not in it. So you might even enjoy some of it. But, But when God's will challenges your expectations, if your heart hasn't been changed by grace, you will resent Him for it. You will resent Him for it. It's just like the rich young ruler that came to Jesus. Do you remember? Do you remember that story? He, he comes to Jesus and he says, Oh, great rabbi, you know, what do I need to do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus says, Well, you, you know the law. Follow the law. And the rabbi <clears throat> says to Jesus, I've done all of that and more. Right? I earned this. Jesus Eternal life, I got it, I earned it, give me, your, give me God's favor, I, I've got everything I need. And what does Jesus do? He looks at him and he says, one thing you lack, go sell all that you own and give it to the poor. And it says that the man went away sorrowful, for he had much. Jesus, you're asking too much, that's more than I can give, that's more than I can do. Jesus is pointing out to him. You're telling me that you think you can earn it, but you can't. You need a heart that has been changed by grace. Only a heart changed by grace can delight in God's will. Because as we begin to look to Jesus and we look at the one who gave himself for us, when we offered nothing in return, then when he says I need to endure something, when he asks me to give, when he asks me to go, why would I say no? Why would I say no to a Savior who, when I was overwhelmed in a pit of my sin, He came to me. He he pulled me out. He cleaned me. He made me righteous. When I was stuck in a bog of despair, He came to me and He pulled me out and He showed me that the hope that we have in Christ pulls us out, sets our feet upon the rock, all because of His great love. So, what is waiting for the Lord? It's looking to God with expectation that He will give us what we need. And how is it possible? Only with a heart changed by grace. And when our hearts have been changed, how do we do it well? How do we look to Him well? If you look back again at verse 5, David, even with everything he goes through, he says, You have multiplied, O Lord my God, your wondrous deeds and your thoughts toward us, None can compare with you. I will proclaim and tell of them, yet they are more than can be told. See, what David is doing is he's beginning to reflect on God's works. He's beginning to reflect on God's truth. he's, He's looking to God with expectation. He's looking and he's reflecting on what have I seen him do in the past? What do I see him do in here? What has he taught And as he reflects on God's truth, it works that change deeper into his heart. And so there are lots of ways that we can do that. Singing is one of them. We do do lots of those on Sunday morning. I want to suggest another one to you. 
um, if you don't currently use this. Read some poetry. Read some poetry. We'll get to that one in just a minute. Read some poetry, uh, especially including the Psalms. About one-third of the Old Testament is poetry. Did you know that? I think God values poetry. I think he knows that there is a use to poetry. And I, I can tell you about it in the words of a man named David Calhoun. He was a seminary prof, and uh, during his intensive rounds of chemotherapy, he found that it helped him to get out and just go walk around a little pond that was near his house. And while he would do that, he would just grab a book of poetry on the way out, and he would sit, or he might read it while he was walking. And then he writes this. He says, one day, as I walked in the park and through my own personal valley, I read Litany to the Holy Spirit by Robert Herrick. This is, again, to show you how poetry can deepen this experience for us. He says, the poet prays for the Spirit's comfort when temptation oppresses, when doubts confuse, and when doctors fail. And then here is that that quote, Charlie. It's, when the artless doctor sees no one hope but of his fees, and his skill runs on the lees, sweet spirit, comfort me. When his potion and his pill has or none or little skill meet for nothing but to kill, sweet spirit, comfort me. Calhoun writes, this is not a cry for deliverance from the troubles of life, but a plea for comfort and help in all that comes. I read these words at a time when the chemotherapy threatened to kill me before the cancer did. Herrick's poem comforted as it amused me. Most of my doctors and nurses have been skillful and sympathetic, but one experience deeply distressed me. During that time, the poet helped me to pray for comfort from the sweet spirit of God. A burden can become a cross, John Calvin asserts, when we willingly accept it as coming from God and gladly bear it with trust and patience. What is, what is waiting for the Lord? It's looking to God with expectation. He will give us what we need. It is only possible with a heart changed by grace. And how do we do it well? By reflecting on God's truth so that we can see his wondrous deeds and thoughts. Use poetry, use music, use good art, use a good conversation with friends. Use what you can find to help you reflect on God's truth so that even a burden can become a cross through which God can proclaim his wondrous love. Let's pray.